Stuart, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good indeed. Yeah, it seems like Sydney, it's finally showing you some decent weather. You've got some heat. You've got some more dry <laughs> people exactly back right. out in the back. Yeah. Did you exactly. find that um, uh, there was a drop-off in, uh, in people frequenting your bar and restaurant during all this rain? Were they all just being hermits or were they braving the storm? No, they've definitely been hermits. We've basically yeah. had three years of, of hermits here yeah. in Sydney. Uh, yeah. weather's, all, weather's always one of those things that in Sydney people uh, decided that it was raining outside so they wouldn't go out. But, uh, <laughs> yes, it's been a long, long, wet and cold wi winter for us. But uh, mm -hmm. it's having said that, the last few weeks the sun's come out and the city seems to be coming back to life again. So fingers yeah. crossed that continues. And it's, it's pretty magnificent, isn't it, now? So, yeah, oh, we'll laugh. It's, it's very, very good indeed. Yeah. You're on the homeward stretch. And what a great time of yes. year now. Festivities and Christmas. I'm such a Christmas buff and it's all very exciting. So um so look, let's let's start talking about let's actually let's start with your background. Your 30 years in hospitality, 20 years you've been a sommelier. Can you explain to us how it is that you first chose to enter this wonderful world of wine and uh, any any major influences along the way? Well, look, I grew up um in uh, North Coast, New, New South Wales, and town called Coffs Harbour, um, sort of very rural sort of area. Know it well. I, um, yeah. But my parents actually drank wine, which sort of put that in the sort of zone of me knowing about that um, and moved to Sydney to go to university. And like a lot of university students, I uh, got a job in a restaurant and worked nights to pay for university. Um, I enjoyed the night work a bit too much between that and surfing. The university didn't go so flat, but uh, <laughs> I, I really sort of found a passion for hospitality and I really enjoyed that side of work. And being in the restaurants, I'd see these, there'd always someone in the restaurant that was getting set bottles of wine to try and put put together. And I thought, oh, that looks like fun. That sounds like something I want to get involved in um, because as a uni student, free bottles of wine sound really good to me. But uh, so it sort of just sort of grew from there. And I worked worked in hospitality for several years in uh, Sydney and then in 98 packed up and did the European thing. But I was fortunate my mum was Scottish, so I had permanent residency for the UK. So it wasn't just a short, sharp trip and landed a job at the Bendham restaurant in London and within a few months managed to uh, – get an opportunity to go on board as a, a junior sommelier there. And then the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. I mean, that's a, um, what a fantastic opportunity that you that you fell yeah. into. I guess yeah. it's that classic example, though, of, you know, if, if you work hard at things, you know, uh, what's yeah. the saying? Uh, it's, it's fascinating how I, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yes. Spot on. It's a, Spot on. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good call. It's very true. Yes. So, so that so that gets you into it. But now, but you're you're not just a sommelier, and you also are not just an owner of a um a very famous and I've I've been there as well uh, to a fixed bar and uh, and restaurant. But you have a particular focus on 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 curating a wine list, which of course is what a sommelier does. But you're very much involved in reducing down, so you can have the big bibles of uh, of wine, which I love, where you've got you know three hundred pages. Like, how on earth do you even choose? But yeah. what what is becoming quite um, well, I wouldn't say trendy, but it's kind of more necessary, really. These days, is having a one pager. 
yes. a one page of wine to make the decision easier for the consumer because more and more the consumers are becoming more knowledgeable about wines and they can make those decisions based on smaller uh, I think a smaller um, uh, choices, and and then uh, but even addition to that, you know, once upon a time the wine lists were, you know, it was full of like you know, maybe there were three glass, three wines by the glass, and then there were seven hundred wines by the bottle. But now yeah. it's very much becoming more of a even a fifty-fifty. There are more wines by the glass, and that's a health thing. People are more conscious about how much they're consuming wine. They're also spending more for the wine, and you know, pulling out three hundred dollars for a bottle each time. You want one isn't always you know helpful on the wallet. So anyway, I'll stop rambling on. That's just my that's my take. So Stuart, can you talk to us about how you do curate a list based on the new trends of of the new age drinker? Well, yeah, you've you pretty much nailed most of it there. In the, I don't get me wrong, I love a Bible wine list me too. as much as mm. the next person. And uh, but with all of those ones, if I'm going to those places, I tend to spend a week prior to going out for dinner to, uh, to narrow things down because going to dinner and just reading the wine list all night doesn't sound like fun for the rest of the people. <laughs> I'm really happy to do it. I um so with that in mind, yes, when Fix started, we had a multi-page list and that was a lot of fun, but. We found that there's also there's well there's two sides of the coin. People can get lost in it, but people also can find it sort of a bit too intimidating. Mm-hmm. And we got to the point that I had all these fantastic wines, really interesting left field wines, and the only way anyone any of them would sell is that if they were on by the glass, because then people could see them. Because otherwise, people there's multiple pages, and they're going right. Well, I don't know what any of this is, so I'll go to the the Chardonnay page or the Shiraz page and other mm-hmm. things got missed. So then I went, right, okay, so the by the glass thing is starting to really pick up. We saw that, we actually saw that pick up in the GFC, the global financial crisis in, in 2008, where suddenly a lot of corporate accounts were cancelled and there was yes. restrictions on spending. And as a general rule of thumb, most of the corporate cards, if there was a bottle of wine for $100 or more on it, it just wouldn't get, wouldn't yeah, get, it wouldn't um, sell. Wouldn't sell. Well, yeah. the, 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 they couldn't get a refund. They couldn't get their money back because they, they wouldn't be able to charge it back to the company. The company mm-hmm. refused to re, re, repay those ones. So we went, right, well, let's put some more expensive wines on by the glass. And then, yeah, and one of those things, you can't buy a $100 bottle of wine, but you can buy $10, $50 glass, glasses of wines, and the expense account will go through fine. So that sort of got me thinking about that. And obviously, Coravin came along and that gives you so much more flexibility on yes. the buy the glass as well. But then, so all of those things were sort of all morphing together and then we hit COVID and I went, right, well, we need to have a wine list that is a, a single touch point. So, and QR codes are fantastic for a lot of things, but trying to read a wine list on an iPhone just is, no, it, to me, is not work. practical. It doesn't work. Uh, so that was when I went, right, well, let's, throw the whole wine list out, stop trying to get it where I want it to be in terms of that page, the pages, and bring it down to a much more manageable format, which the hardest, it's, I think it was Winston Churchill said, I apologise for writing you a long letter. I didn't have time to write you a short one. Yes. It's much harder <laughs> getting everything down into that one mm. small, concise thing than, look, if, you, if I find a wine I like and I didn't have to worry about the space, then I don't need to have a replacement for it. But sure. that really got me thinking about the sort of style of – it brings you back more about what 
the style of wines that are going to suit what you serve in the establishment, what sort of feel the place has got um, and what your clientele are interested in. So mm. we we sat down and I sat down with an A3 page and went, right, this is what I want to try and do. And what what's been great is that, yeah, you really get a picture of it and my accountant would be very happy because once I hit the end of the A3 page, there's no more paper. I can't put any more on there. So everything is... I have my own constraints there, but you build a list then with much more focus on what's coming and going and what people are interested in and they go, and the wines that get replaced quicker is actually the ones that have sold well and there's something new and interesting I can tick in underneath. And buy the glass is the other encouraging point there as well. So we run about about half of our wine list is is available by the glass, give or take. And I, th- I think that's amazing. And I love that. I really love that. Um, uh, it's it's more, I mean, obviously it opens up the options because you're not always going along uh, with you know, three people. And these days, two people don't necessarily yep. want to have a whole bottle of wine. But the best part is it means that you can sample. So exactly. I can come in and start and say, I would like I, I would like a glass of uh, blog to book, but I don't yep. want more than one glass. And then I'm going to, you know, with my, yeah, basically you can do your own degustation wine match and um and and it's just it's just made a lot easier and and a bit more fun as well um so so do you i mean i guess some people do focus on uh they want to bring their own personality and they and their choices and they want to educate people through their own what they love and that's what they put on a list but then you've got the other side where you do it purely based on what the consumer's wanting you tend to go a bit more on that side is that right I oh, look, it's probably it, 50-50 on that one. I, uh, for a long time, I went quite deep into the natural wine scene and was really, really enthusiastic with that. And uh-huh. my palate changed as well. And so, look, every wine on my wine list is a wine I'd be very happy to drink. But I've, I've, I suppose I've got an understanding that I've also got a business to run. So it's not – there's – there's two voices in my head saying, <clears throat> yes. that's delicious, and the other one saying, yeah, well, it might be delicious, Stuart, but if you can't sell it, you're going to drink it all, which is fantastic in one way, but it doesn't help the bottom line when I do it that way. So both sides of those coin, both sides of that coin have to be sort of um, balanced in that, in that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you just mentioned natural wines. Uh, how many, ballpark, how many natural wines would you have on your list? I think I'd probably get about 20 that would fall into the full natural, but... I'm, I'm always conscious about all of the wines that have a – everything on the list has to have a reason for being there, whether sure. it's a story about the grape, the winemaker, how it's made or mm. where it's made. There's, there's always a reason behind those. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be all small and natural producers. They can be larger producers but on older vintage or there's all – like there's, there's enough wine stories out there to fill many, many pages of a wine list. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so how many wines do you actually have on your wine list at the moment? I think there's a, it's about 160, 170, I'd say. Right. And 50% of those are by the glass. So can you give us a bit of a, what, what's the experience that, um, that someone's going to have? It's been years since I've been to uh, to fix, but uh, to, yep. to be fair, I now live in Queensland. So, you know, yep. I can't just pop down like <laughs> I used to. Um, not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same. What's the experience that we can expect? Look, we've always, since I've opened Fix and I came from a fine dining background before there, our theory was, my theory was always to build what I would call a neighbourhood wine bar and bistro in the city and apply fine dining 
sensibilities without the pomp and ceremony to a bistro situation. So that's that's the theory. Um, we take our food and our menu production and development and ordering and the same with the wine list very seriously. But when it actually comes to opening the door, we don't take ourselves very seriously at all and we try to have a lot of fun and, yeah, we, yeah. we sometimes carry on a bit too much, but that's all right. That's, <laughs> oh, uh, that's it's part of the experience. Exactly. We we certainly we have a, a it's a restaurant with a personality, and mm-hmm. we're very happy to say right this is what this is us this is what we do. Um, mm-hmm. If we if we make a mistake, obviously we're very sorry. But some people don't necessarily like the way we go about things, and that's fine. That's just that's that's okay too. We that's can't be right. all things to all people. No, no, that's right. I, I remember the first time that I went to Fix, and I'm talking, this is going back a long time. This would be about 2011, and yep. I was actually meeting, it was for a, a work <laughs> a work meeting, uh, but I got along well with, well, with this person. He was um, a, a frequenter of, of Fix, and so I said I hadn't been there before. So we're like, okay, we're catching up for a drink, and he's, you know, I'm like, okay, this is a wine bar, so I'm expecting to come in, have a nice glass of wine. And I did realise, I was like, it is very young, like it seems quite quite uh starts on the word but it is bistro it's quite um yeah. you know i'm you know nothing definitely nothing uh presumptuous about it but i'm looking at the wine is going this is insane and it was the first time ever that i've ordered a wine and it came out with a um uh, a withered decanter with it as as just you know somewhere that wasn't a restaurant or like a high-end restaurant at just a wine bar and i thought there's something really to it and yeah it's it's, it's a fascinating place that anyone who hasn't been i'm assuming that most people who live in sydney would have been to fix at some point in their life i can only imagine only imagine but it's definitely a wonderful place and it is in the cbd kind of near st james um what's the what's the address again the address is 111 Elizabeth Street, Sydney. We're right next to David Jones on Elizabeth That's Street. That's right. Yes, perfect. Yep. So go, go to David Jones, check out the, yep. the Christmas windows if they're doing yes. it this year, and then go they and are. have a nice glass of wine. Oh, they are? Oh, good. Oh, good. I, actually, what, what are they this year? Um, I just can hear the music when I'm well, I'm out the front. Oh. I haven't recently gone and had a look. But oh, that's kind of nice. But, uh, it's one of those things, I suppose. We've been there for 16 years now, so I'm, I hear the music and I know it's there, but I – well. My kids have got a bit older now, so they're not coming in to see the, yeah. see the, see the moving parts. Yeah, grabbing you by the hand and dragging you up there. Yeah, okay. Um, so, okay, so that is a must-do. Whilst we still have a few minutes left, I'd love to cover off your involvement in the recent Real Review wine classification for Australia yeah. and New Zealand. So uh, best that you uh, tell us about that. How are you involved? And, uh, and basically just tell us about this new classification. Okay, cool. So the Real Review is um, uh, an online wine review website. Um, principal writers are Hugh and Hook and Bob Campbell, MW, in New Zealand. So they're the, they're the driving force behind it. And uh, there's a few of us that do some contribution uh, reviews as well. So myself, um, Gabrielle Poy in Melbourne and Ara Brasher also here in Sydney. Um, we've also got Anthony Rose in the UK doing some sparkling stuff and uh, Steve Blanford in Italy doing um, Piedmont and stuff like that. So, And Steve used to be at Annandale Cellars, so he's he's uh, done a big tree, uh, tree change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it... It came about because at the moment in in Australia, any of our classification systems, Langtons do one, that it's based on um, resale and secondary market values, um, but mm. there hadn't been a specific one built just around tasting notes and scores. So 
the rear review does things slightly different to the other other big uh, reviewing uh, sites at the moment in that we do everything blind. We do everything, uh, all of our tasting and reviewing is done based on a set of 12, which is obviously a box, of a variety or a style or things like that. So I'll, I'll taste 12 Rieslings blind, for instance. So that builds a catalogue of notes that Hewan's been doing for many, many years that gives you then an opportunity to look at those producers that have consistently over, and for the classification, it has to be 10 vintages worth of, um, minimum of 10 years worth of tasting notes mm-hmm. for that wine to be, specific wine to be scored highly consistently to get that, yes. um, that classification ranking. Sure, sure, okay. And this is the first time that New Zealand actually has a classification. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah. I was surprised it, to find that out. So I was, I was actually surprised as well. So uh, Matthew Jukes and Tyson Stelser did a classification of New Zealand Pinot, um, mm-hmm. but that was a specific variety, and sure. that's the that's the only time that anyone's done anything like that. So that was a same as I said, it was a surprise for me as well. So Bob did that in uh, New Zealand. So what we basically did in during this year is that looked at the wineries that were right in that right in that slot for likely to be included, then put out a, a, um, a request for any of them if they wanted to, where we were missing vintages to drop some wines in there, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic couple of weeks of tasting because you're, tre- you're trying some of the great wines of Australia and their back vintages as well, not just yes. the current release. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a bit of fun. That was, um, and that, was that was me and Hewan and Aaron and Gabrielle all tasting, or one of us each with Hewan as well. So that's... That's fun as well when you get to taste. The lo- tasting wine normally is quite a lonely process. You're just sitting at a table typing and tasting and spitting and swirling. But to taste <laughs> with someone else with you and, and mm, see how what they saw. And what, exactly. Mm. It's, um, and obviously, Hewan's a bit of a legend in the industry. So you know he got it right and I got it wrong when there was a difference of opinion there. But that's, <laughs> that's how we all learn as well. I think you're being too humble there, let's be honest. You've been in for 20 years. Well, it sounds great. And how do we access this? Okay, so the Real Review is a subscription-based website. Um, so that that listing, some of it is available public as well, but there's mm-hmm. a annual subscription for all the reviews, which is off the top of my head, forty nine ninety five a month, a year, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very affordable. Very reasonable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, okay, great. Well, it's wonderful that you're that you've been involved in this sort of thing. And um, uh, as just just before we uh, finish off, how is your Christmas Day looking? And uh, what specific wine are you looking forward to drinking? Uh, Christmas Day, funnily enough, with hospitality, when Christmas Day is the sort of there's the day we all fall over and (laughs) don't don't want to think about too much about anything. I drink a lot of champagne on Christmas Day. That's my uh, my go-to thing. And uh, then, because it's traditionally, the last couple haven't been so much, but traditionally it's quite a hot, warm warm and hot day. So mm. I'm usually looking for some uh, bottles of Riesling and some uh, bottles of Semillon and maybe a Pinot or two in the fridge. Yep, no, very nice, very nice, as you should. But look, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. I know it's only November, but hey, it's, it's going to be here in no time. Yeah. Oh. Well, a month, a month and what, four days. So have a great exactly. one, Stuart. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good luck uh, with Fix. Obviously, you've, uh, you're doing a great job with it. You know, as you say, it's been around for 16 years and um, going from strength to strength. So I look forward to dropping in and saying hi next time I'm in Sydney. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to have a chat. Thanks.
Thanks, Julie. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, Cheers. Stuart. Bye. That was Stuart Knox from a fixed wine bar and restaurant in Sydney. Definitely give it a go. Uh, just down from David Jones.